0: Welcome to the Glasgow Museum's podcast. In this episode, we're delighted to welcome Ajamu, an artist based in London. Ajamu will be talking with Katie Bruce, producer-curator from GOMA, as part of the GOMA at 25 podcasts, celebrating the work of the Gallery of Modern Art on its 25th anniversary. Welcome to this Glasgow Museums podcast, which is part of a series of conversations with artists, curators and partners that we've worked with over the last 25 years for GOMER 25. The series has been generously funded by Art Fund and the Respond and Imagine Fund. And my name's Katie Bruce. I'm one of the curators at Goma, and I'm currently in the office on a Zoom call with artist Ajamu who I first met in 2009 when they applied to be an artist-in-residence with us. Ajamu, would you like to introduce yourself and say where you are?
1: So, um, my name is and i'm currently in my home studio in brixton south london
0: thank you for, again for joining us on this one. and so hopefully we've got a few wee questions and hopefully that takes us into a conversation because we've known each other for quite a wee while so it'd be really nice to revisit some of that i'll start with a question that we're asking everyone for Gomer at 25. What were you doing in 1996 when we opened? And were you aware of GOMA opening?
1: Well, in 1996, I was living in London. I actually wasn't aware of GOMA opening. I think in 1996, I think I sh- showed work in Huddersfield for an exhibition, but I could be wrong. I wasn't aware of GOMA then.
0: And were you making work as a photographer? Yeah, you said you had an exhibition up in Huddersfield. Is, is that related to the film that's on BFI, the British Film Institute, or was that...? Right.
1: Early? The film, The Homecoming, directed by Topper Campbell, was in 1995.
0: So that was just before uh, then, wasn't it?
1: It, it? it was just before. Um, so yes, I was making work. And I'm sure I've forgotten something important about 96 but, <laughs> but there you go.
0: That's OK. It's etched in our brain because it's when Goma opened, but for everyone else, yeah. it was 96. Yeah. So I like say we met in 2009 when I interviewed you for the artist residency as part of Shout. But you'd already shown in Goma as part of the touring exhibition, Typical Men in 2001 and 2002, which was then part of Glasgow, who you also went to, on to work with. Yeah. Your work heals from 1993 was on the invitation cover. So was this your first encounter with Goma? Did you come up for that or did it tour without you?
1: The exhibition actually toured without me coming up to Glasgow. So I think that my first trip to Glasgow would have been around 2008, 2009 for some reason.
0: So really when we first met for the interview, that was roundabout your first time ever in the city then?
1: Ah. Well, yes. Yes, I think then I was... What am I doing... The residency at street level, or at the street level, came afterwards. This is where I get slightly <laughs> confused. So then actually, maybe then my first trip was for the artist residency at Goma then. Yes.
0: Because it, yeah. it was through Sam at Equality Network that I think you found out about the residency. So you must have been in contact with Sam...
1: Right, yes. So basically, I was doing lots of work with Ruckus. And then I was in conversation with Sam, who came to London, maybe around 2008. And we had kept in touch, myself and Sam. And I spoke at one of their events, I think, in 2008 or early 2009. Yes, actually, that was my first contact with Scotland via Sam Rankin and the Equality Network. That's right, yes, I totally forgot about that. But. okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I remember her being very excited about passing this on to you. And fortunately for both of us, you were successful when we interviewed you for the artist residency. What made you want to apply for the residency in Scotland in the first place? Because it wasn't in your hometown where you were. And what was it about the residency with the Shout program and with GOMA that made you want to come up?
1: The residency was really exciting. It just sounded kind of fresh. I think that I kind of always get frustrated when I see projects that might include LGBTQ. It kind of comes in from the social cultural lens, first and foremost. So, actually, for me, the residency was about being an artist and then also around artists who works with photography. And there's very few based around photography and then allow kind of a black, queer photographic practice to be part of that conversation. So that's why I then applied as well. Then also then I've got to mentor for the first time Sandra Allen as well. So then that there was a kind of a evolving thread to my own kind of activism, was then to our mentor.
0: Yeah, because I think that was quite I- important for us that there were two artist residencies so that it had a younger emerging artists but also a more established artist like yourself yeah. so there could be a conversation because I guess a lot of these younger artists may not get the chance because the institution may go for the more established artist with that time yes. and I think we were quite keen about opening up the possibilities. Yeah.
1: Yes yes I am also part of it was a, to get sort of a black queer Scotland and so a lot of the work around black Queer experience tend to be kind of very England-centric. So then I'm thinking, well, actually, what then is Black queer experience like in Scotland? What is a Black queer experience like in, in Wales and Northern? So obviously this then allowed me to access a community that I, I just was not aware of. At this point, I cannot remember meeting any Black queer artists. However, I met a few Black queer folks.
0: Yeah, if you want to talk a little bit about Ruckus and then that will make sense about where you are heading with this particular residency.
1: Yeah, Ruckus is a Black Queer Arts charity that was founded by myself at Topher Campbell in 2000. And the aim of Ruckus was to, to create a space for your artists, activists, cultural mischief makers and to create space through film, music, theatre, exhibitions, archive, and then to have a very different kind of conversation around cultural production. Oh, and then my linking there with Sam was that Sam Handel was then doing the research in London around black queer groups. And then actually informally, I then also kind of kind of mentored Sam as well around what was going on here. And Ruckus was a part of that conversation. And then actually we did an event Goma called Audacity, as yeah, well, that... that I remember. And so we had brought together Courtney Ryan Zegler, who is a trans scholar activist, and then we showed Still Black. I then presented Courtney at the Glasgow Film Theatre. So then, well, basically, we had then managed to bring in to Goma a handful of black queer activists or folks as well. So really, it was just a sense of just trying to create another kind of conversation. Yeah, and then just learning what was going on.
0: Yeah, and through that learning, I take it the portraits that were eventually shown in the balcony as part of your exhibition, they came out through the networks and people that you were meeting.
1: Yes, I was um, then be linked into uh, Black Glasgow and then just learning about the artists a culture producers creating work there as well and so yes and that space was just a beautiful special <laughs> <just> study <laughs> <Just Yeah. studied. laughs>
0: so for for people listening it was shown in our um ellipse space on one of our balcony galleries so the portraits all looked in and, and at each other um from that and yeah. we actually we acquired three portraits from that yes. so we acquired the portrait of um courtney but also tintin and your self-portrait
1: was a portrait of me there? Yes, there was. Yes, of there course is. There was. <laughs> I would have. Yes, I think for me those were probably my favourite portraits from the whole series. I always think it's always important that work by Black British queer photographers, because I still believe that there is a gap in terms of having a conversation around a Black British queer artistic practice, and so it was important that the work. Also, not only sits within um, Goma, but then also is a part of the wider conversation about a Black artistic practice in the um, context of um, Glasgow. And of course, then years later, in a conversation with um, the awesome Matthew Arthur Williams, I think that actually that space that was like um, opened up in 2009, then I think that allowed for almost a decade later. There'd be like a work with Matthew out of egg mentoring. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, there's there's something really nice about that. And um, the next time that you actually worked with us in Goma was in 2017-18, when After Dark. Oh 20, yes. In Polygraph. So again, you were really keen to extend that invitation to you as an established artist to much younger emerging artists. And I'll get I'll get to that in a minute. I've just found that quote. So it says,
1: yeah.
0: I, "I say to these upcoming Black queer photographers seeking themselves in the wider pho- photographic canon, you must know your photographic histories. Ask yourself what is your place in them and what is your point of departure." Which I just thought was really lovely. You've done a lot of that through the archive finding in in Ruckus, but also carving spaces for yourselves you or yourself in institutions and I think particularly with after Dark it, it was a really subversive space that you asked to carve into a program. So I guess for listeners it might be worth sort of explaining a little bit about after Dark.
1: Yes so so I'm I, after Dark was a program on channel 4 in the 80s. And they would like um, have this like, table with food and drink, and they would just talk about everything and anything. And they went on for like a few hours. So I had this this idea around what would happen if a group of black artists had access to a gallery that was closed. It was shut. And then and I've just had this dialogue between us and then how people could then also then tune into our conversations and private thoughts. And then there was something, I think, about always trying to subvert these institutions that I love on one hand. And at the same time, I'm like, what about this? And said, what about this? And I think for me, I like the fact that actually you... And the government says yes. Behind <laughs> the scenes, and there was like, and you know, what's going to happen? If it's actually the gallery is shut. It's like eight, nine o'clock. And then the range of artists was also then very diverse as well. And then once again, it's then me in dialogue with a group of younger artists, some I knew, and some I was coming across their practice for the day I first time. So, then actually a lot of my activists work, historically it's about always creating spaces that we have all kinds of conversations in all kinds of spaces yeah whether it's a gallery to my front room it's always about that we have a whole range of conversations and then also uh, sometimes it's about our dialogues and that's not meant for outside of that space neither and yeah. um, so then once again I, I Goma allowed us to I to actually not to create space but to take up the space and that for me was a, a political conversation with artists
0: Yeah, because it introduced me to two artists from London that I wasn't aware, of. so Raju Raj and Kareem Reid that you yeah. brought up and it also allowed me to invite Claire Hook and Kamara Taylor and Nasheen Garaja yes. as well yes,
1: the- uh, yes, Kamara Taylor's now got a show on in London at Cubits Gallery
0: yeah, which I followed did. on to, from your show. So it, yeah. it's it's really nice, again, you know, like you're talking about 2009 and what that opened up for you in terms of artists here, but also those conversations where you see small connections that come out. We live streamed through Instagram the whole conversation, but you also recorded it and then edited it. And I, for those that had tuned in, they were privy to some really quite powerful, insightful conversations at the time that were around that that table, which happened on the evening. And then there is a, an edited, recorded version which yeah. everybody agreed what would remain permanent as part of an archive of that conversation yeah. and what would remain purely confidential and, and of that moment. So.
1: Yes, that then was really key for me was that, it was archived and it will then be kept. A lot of the conversations that we might have around those kind of ideas around access and visibility usually are not archived for posterity. So they take place in front of rooms, we rant, we curse, and all that kind of stuff. And the actual event just captured all of that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
0: it was really exciting to be able to listen to because, I mean, again, I was watching it through live stream. You had that space all to yourself. And yeah. It- Yeah, it was incredibly powerful. And I guess those conversations are still sitting with quite difficult discussions that we are having right now about the place of our building, our collections, all all of these things. It's really interesting looking back on that occasionally and and remembering the seeds of those conversations that are still taking far too long to go through. But again, it's, it's archived there. And as part of that, exhibition and then we put a plaque up as well so there was this feeling of something that had happened there that that was recorded and memorialized in the space of the exhibition but had been quite ephemeral yes in lots of ways as well
1: yes i love that event
0: i was going to say we skipped over a couple of questions before we got back to that i was going to come back to what draws you to work in in glasgow because you are london-based but you've also had residencies with street level and outspoken arts. Do you see a difference in the way that LGBT-focused work manifests itself in Glasgow as opposed to London, where you're based? Uh,
1: Actually, it's um, how I see Black work in, in Scotland that's slightly different than London actually, strangely enough, because I actually remember when I used to attend the Black History Month events in Glasgow and the groups of people was just so diverse that I'm always intrigued me. And then, I the link to that then, how I'm your LGBT work, the people involved in the work is usually extremely diverse on race and class and age as well. And whereby in London, and you could just get events that just black, run, gay as in white only. I, but I do like the fact that there is people who have just come together I'm trying to make these events happen. So, naturally, actually, that's what I kind of like. And then there is something about being in Glasgow and that reminds me of being back in Huddersfield. And there's something about just being in Glasgow. And there's something familiar. That's why I don't use that title for part of my show. There's something as a northerner that I get from going to Glasgow as opposed to Edinburgh. It's just something that's not probably tangible, but I just feel like, yeah, this feels like up north. <laughs> and so there's that. And then also, I love that to scale as well, someone actually, I can walk around. And so, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I I do enjoy just meeting people I would never have met if I just just worked in London. And so there's, once again, this sense of meeting people that I would not have met if it wasn't through being at Goldman or street level and so, so forth, and then that's key. It's because then I could then have these other conversations that I just wouldn't have had. And then that's, and that's kind of part of my artistic practice is to come to talk with all kinds of people, especially black people in Scotland. because actually, once again, I think it's only recently I think like that people have been thinking that there's black folks in Scotland. Even though there's a lot of history, I think that there's something about being in England that and that you don't think about those other kind of black experiences and then those then uh, black LGBT experiences in the context of Scotland or Northern Ireland or Wales so then I kind of want to just make these links.
0: Yeah that's that thing now about not being able to travel because ideally we would have loved to do this just now because it is that point is each time you came we met up you were coming up for completely different reasons and then you were I remember Matthew saying that they met you on a few occasions when you had been up but you'd had yes, these so- brief conversations going right we need to meet properly and talk about our mutual interest and in practices and what we're up yes. to and actually that was over like because I know that they were around in 2018 when you were up but you didn't meet and it wasn't until last year properly that it was more formally done through the Bossy project.
1: Yes, yes, So basically, I first saw Matthew in the dark room at street level. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yes, yes. And then the project, the project on the Isle of Ed, it meant that I could have then spent a period of time just having a conversation with a younger photographer about their work around the black body in the landscape and then just uh, there's these recordings that we have of us just walking and talking in the landscape and also then and Matthew then did the portrait of me and for Goma which is a beautiful nude portrait freezing cold but that's back (laughs) in the bye and then I then photographed Matthew also in that landscape as well asking once again just how years later a high could then turn into an um, ongoing conversation.
0: Yeah, and, and I know you've followed up those conversations over the last 18 months as well, haven't you?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so I did a portrait of Matthew as part of my archival Sensoria exhibition at the Cubist Gallery. and then had a panel via Instagram and with Matthew and Cameron, Alex, Bernice, a younger photographer then talking about their practice And then also part of my work is saying, well, actually there is this photographer here also whose work you I need to look at and then have a conversation. So then I do enjoy kind of like linking people up because I always think that if you bring folks up to meet each other, I still think that, you know, magic can happen. And then these other kinds of friendships can then take place. So yes, yes. And once again, my dialogue with Matthew is uh, ongoing. So yes.
0: Yeah, that portrait, uh, we've got the digital version, and then hopefully Matthew's going to be able to print up. And, and I loved as well, because this is part of an ongoing commission that's with Matthew of photographing artists that are in our collection. We also have one with Alan Dimick, which is really yeah. nice because... The artist and whoever's taking the photograph always decide how it's done and your one kind of flipped into my we transfer being on egg how did you decide that it was going to be a naked portrait of yourself to come in
1: it just came out of the conversations and so basically i think somewhere i was thinking has goma got any news in there of a, a black man a black queer artist I said, once again, it's that kind of mischievous to say, actually, let's do a nude <laughs> in this landscape. And because then I also think it's one of these unique moments where but actually Matthew has captured me on the Isle of Egg and that might not ever happen again. I so actually, it's something quite unique for Goma and to have that image, all of that was happening. It was just fun to do. And I'm like, just shoot it your way, i it's freezing cold. Hurry up, please.
0: <laughs> it was March 2020. And I guess that was when the threat of COVID and lockdown was there too. Yes. As well. So, mm-hmm. you know, that idea where you're saying this might never happen again. We just really didn't know at that point because the country yes. was yes. locked down.
1: Yes. Yes. And then also, I have been asked. I had to leave, I think, a few days earlier to head back to London because actually things were then just, just going crazy. I'm like, actually, I just can't get stuck here. <laughs> I think that... It was just this unique moment myself and Matthew on the ave, after these conversations, we've got cameras. let's just do something quite unique.
0: And I mean the, all it was incredibly hard to choose because Matthew was saying, well, we need to just print one. And they were all really amazing for their you know different reasons. Some of it was the scale of the landscape and you in there. Some of it is just a wonderful one of you laughing. Which reminded me a lot of conversations, and it's like trying to select something on an institutional level.
1: That yes, was, of course. That,
0: yeah. that was really amazing to kind of come in. I, th- I think you're right as well. It asked all sorts of questions of what what were the absences, what were the gaps in our collection, what yeah. were the assumptions in our collection yeah. as well. Yeah. And just just through that that one portrait, which was really yeah.
1: cool. I think given that Matthew's work is about the new body. In the landscape, it just would would not make sense if I was closed. It just wouldn't work because then I would have then been doing his work a slight disservice. It work. It's asking those questions.
0: So for people that saw Matthew's show in the Edinburgh Art Festival, it was in the Bothy. One of the portraits of you were there, along with other work that Matthew's taken over the last year or so. I'd only seen the digital up until that right. point, so it was so lovely to see it in in that setting. So my final question. We've probably touched on it a little bit and you maybe said it there and it does relate to the collection. I'm interested in what impact you think your work and this portrait has in our collection and I guess Glasgow and what it means to you to have them here.
1: Oh, that's a big question.
0: Sorry, it's a finale
1: one. There's always going to be a question around what kind of bodies don't we see in collections and then in this case, Scotland yeah and that for me is the first thing and then also then wherever does then the nude body appears and then also then the black nude body and the black male body and I'm sure at some point and there will be dialogues around the black female nude body in the context of Glasgow and I think that I'm just hoping that the image by our virtue of its being there, would then allow these other conversations to brew. For me, I am always kind of curious about where are the gaps, what's missing, and how can we address that? And then also, I think for me personally, it just captures my time in Scotland. I do like the fact that I have a history, extremely small history in Scotland, extremely small history in Holland, but it's still the same kind of conversation that I've tried to have in these different kinds of locations. So i so actually I just see these things as markers to the kind of dialogues I'm trying to have through the visual, through throughout the portraits, and but then building these networks, so extending those dialogues with you and with Glasgow, with street level, and then with SAM ranking from the equality networks. So then once again, I'm, all of that is part of my artistic practice, is just to have these conversations, and then to leave these kind of breadcrumbs, basically. Uh, And so then in 30 years or 50 years, somebody might want to research, oh, a job in Scotland. (laughs) And the folks who've then either been talking with or working with, um, so yeah, it's very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, again, really important works coming in. And actually it just made me think about presences and absences in collections and those questions around about that. And you also worked on um, the Maud Salter Passion Project. Which came to street level. And we're just in the process of finalising the acquisition, which is the first for Glasgow Museums of work by Maud Salter through the Art Fund New Collecting Award, which, because we didn't have any of Maud's work.
1: Right, fantastic. So the Passion Project is then quite um, interesting. At that point of Maud, I felt that Maud has been sidelined or I'm um, actually in this weird way a lot of her work was about invisibility and then acting that like she um, then became invisible and then at the same time Edward Cherry and was then doing research on mod at street level so basically I then met Deborah for the first time and so myself and Deborah then says to Malcolm why don't we and uh, then have this conversation with autograph after then once again it's that Scotland working with London via the more sort of project and then passion, then came out of that. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, once again, it's just kind of just I'm linking these people up and then linking things up and say, actually, there's this sort of base that we need to talk about. And then, Maude's work has been taken back up again by a group of also younger black queer artists as well. So, actually, that's how I see my role as well. It's just saying, this project will hopefully do this. So, then years later, they're now going, they then now get work in mod, I do like those kind of projects as well.
0: Yeah. Okay, it's just making me want to see you in in person again and be able to network up. <laughs> so oh thank you so much, Ajamo. I just really appreciate you taking time out.
1: No, no, I thank you very much.
0: And being as generous as ever.
1: My pleasure. It's always a pleasure thank you I, I do want to come back up I am not sure when I, I, I do want to come up to, to Glasgow again at, uh, over the next three four months um, that would so, be amazing yes, I look forward to that yes
0: well that's all we have time for in this episode of the Glasgow Museums podcast if you've enjoyed and want to hear more you can find more episodes available on Apple Spotify Google Podcasts, and on SoundCloud too. Just look out for Glasgow Museums. Until next time, thanks for listening.